You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 6, covering Miri and the Dagger of the Mind. Hello once again. Here we Howdy, are. folks. Uh, this week we are reviewing Miri and Dagger of the Mind. Two episodes, episodes of, of Star this Trek show that did air. So, yep, they definitely happened. Yep, that's no all we're willing take to take that away from them. That's all we're willing to commit to at this point in the show. <laughs> all right, first one up was mine, uh, Miri. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Enterprise visits a planet that looks exactly like Earth, down to the continents and everything. Uh, but don't worry if this doesn't make any sense. They won't burden you with it for the remainder of the episode. Uh, the away team beans down to find a familiar, easy-to-shoot-on-the-back-lot Earth-style city, which Spock guesses is from around 1960. Ooh, so close. Uh, eventually, they work out that it's a post-apocalyptic wasteland populated entirely by children. This made me think we were actually watching And the Children Shall Lead, but no, that's a different episode. Turns out the grown-ups, or grups, as the insufferable kids on this planet insist on calling them, tampered with science and got themselves killed. Which seems to happen a lot on a show that's trying to show us how awesome our science-driven future is going to be. Anyway, the children die when they hit puberty, meaning that all of its inhabitants are, by definition, prepubescent. I point this out for a reason. Because it makes it extra skeevy that Kirk spent most of the episode quite clearly leading on young Miri of the episode title. Uh, Eventually, Bones saves the day because he's awesome, and the Enterprise just leaves this ruined society of feral children to their fate, because that's what he does. Stay tuned for a for a, a far off movie when they finally get around to, to making it, where the legion of people that Kirk has abandoned on planets all, all te- join together, <laughs> team up to come after him. <laughs> the wrath of Miri and Gary Mitchell and this guy and that guy. I shall leave you like you left us and him and that guy over there, <laughs> marooned for all eternity in half the galaxy. Buried alive. So yeah, we were really hoping this week to step away from the, uh, the the sort of pattern of misogyny that's been building here. No such luck. Incidentally, man. Before before we hit record here, we were talking about what would make great Star Trek episode titles. Patterns of misogyny would make a great Star Trek episode. <laughs> title. Maybe we'll come back to that at another point. The sexual harassment prerogative. <laughs> no, you gotta you gotta take a word out of that. It's got to be like a the something something. <laughs> The, mm. the harassment uh, operative or something. I don't know. Another, <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to another time. Um, unfortunately, no. The, like I said uh, in my little summary there, uh, most of this episode consists of Kirk hitting on what, what by definition of the plot is a prepubescent girl. Ugh. Trying to get what he wants by charming her, by flirting. The only way he knows how, really. But Yeah, it's really bad, too. Yeah, it is. It, it's like, unpleasant. Uh, like... You know, Mary, it'd be nice if while me and the other men were working over here, if, you know, you could maybe clean off the desk I just th- dirtied up. <laughs> oh, no, no. You don't need to You don't need to exaggerate. He had her sharpening pencils. Oh, in a society that does not use pencils anymore. No, they brought down their tricorders and their computers and all this stuff. They don't need pencils. She's just standing at the blackboard enthusiastically gr- grinding up pencils. Jim will be so happy when I'm finished. 
That's nice, Mary. Put them over there. <laughs> now put them in the pencil holder. Good. Now <laughs> I, throw it away. Oh, I really enjoyed. It only happened briefly, but I really enjoy when, uh, and this sort of becomes a running theme into the movies too. Um, when Bones is dealing with some aspect of Earth's past, he hates the past. He thinks yep. just humans were barbarians and just, oh God, this is hard. You know, put away your butcher knives. Just, uh, I really enjoy that. Jim, this is ridiculous. What is this? That's a telephone. God, how do people live like barbarians? This? Uh, so yeah, they, they but they beam down to this planet, which you know conveniently mm. is set in sixties Earth. Which uh, like I get, I get that you have that on a sci-fi show you have a limited budget that you need to you know you're going to need to use props you got lying around, and this is going to come up again and again on Star Trek. Sure, and but, human human characters like you can't always afford to do nice aliens, so sometimes yep. you just need to do normal human beings. That's yep. fine. But they never explain why it's just like Earth. The planet even looks like Earth. Oh, next. Jim even, or Kirk even says it in the opening. Another Earth. Yes. There's, um, and, and, uh, I looked at the, um, the original, uh, cut and the, uh, the Blu-ray cut. They both went to great pains to show the planet having Earth continents. Like you can see Africa spin by, you see the Americas spin by. It's very clear it's Earth, but they never, Never mention it, never come back to it. Just, nope. huh, what a weird coincidence. Oh, well. Odd that. Well, you know, well, you know what? Sometimes stuff just happens like that. Sometimes no, there's it, another Earth. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, for no apparent reason, they brought Rand on the away team. I wasn't sure yep. what that was all about. Apparently, she was necessary. She's never necessary. So, no, you know what? They brought her down for one very important reason, to get kidnapped. Ah, uh, yes, and tied up with rope. And tied up with rope. Because <laughs> that's what you need on your uh, your futuristic science fiction show, is a lady being tied to the railroad tracks. Help me, Jim. <laughs> I'll save you, Rand. <laughs> well, you know, Shatner is Canadian. And he rides in on Spock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. Um, the, the kids were meant to be scary. Uh, you made the comment that you thought their, their whole chanting thing was a little creepy. I've yeah, never, I've never been sold on that. Like in horror movies and such, I, it doesn't do anything for me, but mm. if it worked for you, that's cool. I get what they were going for, but then they did the same, the thing that always happens on TV when, when adults have no idea how to write kids. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the whole chanting, nah, 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 like that's not scary. That's just annoying. No. It was really just my idea of hell, like Kirk being trapped with all these children who won't listen and <laughs> scream a lot and uh, chanting everything. Uh. Yeah, no good. Um, <laughs> and possibly the ugliest child ever oh. to appear on television. Look, no one on this planet was particularly good looking. No, and, and you know, they're, they're TV kids and we expect them to be kind of pretty, but. Whoa! No. There's this kid in a Hawaiian shirt for some reason. Because <laughs> apparently, uh, before the apocalypse, luau's were pre were pretty popular. <laughs> well, you join me in the hukilau, Matt. <laughs> no, um, this kid. My initial reaction was this kid looks like Beppo the Super Monkey. Oh God! And I'll try to provide a picture of the two of them side by side just to show what I mean. Because it wow. just it's just like someone had been wailing on his face with a space shovel. <laughs> it looked like he started out looking like Jerry Seinfeld and the got uglier. <laughs> Who from are these people? <laughs> <laughs> bonk bonk. Oh yeah. That was their catchphrase, bonk bonk. <laughs> Poor kids. What are we gonna do? Hit him with a hammer. Bonk 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 and then they all chant bonk bonk. 
Although that did clear up where a, net, where a mystery science theater joke came from. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing going back through these. You really catch, especially the Trace Ballou written. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kirk, for some reason, wandering around in like half a uniform. Mm-hmm. Part of his collar just wasn't sewn into the thing. And, like from the beginning of the episode. Yeah, and, and uh, I was watching this with, with uh, my, my lady friend, and she's pointing out, like, Kirk, like, I missed it. She's like, where's the rest of his collar? Yeah, you're right. It's like uh, he's like he's wearing the stripper version of the Starfleet uniform, so he can tear off his shirt easily. Yeah, which you know fits with everything we've known about Kirk so far. <laughs> Even so. better for this episode. Yeah. Say, exactly. Mary, can you get me that? <laughs> can you get me some pencils? <laughs> Unpleasant. Um, yeah. then, then there's a bit where they first get down to the planet. I know we're jumping around here a little, but I, I forgot about this bit. They first get to the planet and they're looking at all the wreckage, the 20th century style wreckage. Oh yeah. And Kirk runs over to this broken tricycle and picks it up, foists it on Spock, then runs over to something else, picks it up. Everyone's just following behind him. What is he doing? It's like it's like the end of Clue. <laughs> it is it much. It felt very much like a farce. Like he should be going in one door and coming out a different door. <laughs> but he keeps picking up like normal objects and like Spock. This is a roller skate. Look at it. Then he run over here. Spock. Just like Earth. Spock, Spock a box of like, Cracker Jacks. I, Look at this. <laughs> I have no idea what this is. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, uh, not not the best episode. Matt, uh, your your impression at the end was this was not good at all. My, I, I would say it's about middle of the road. Uh, no, it was that was a rough episode, man. I thought it, I, I would put it at a solid 5 out of 10. Like, it wasn't good, but it had its moments, and it wasn't bad. Like, it wasn't like, oh, God, why are they doing this? No, nah, between between the the not threatening kids tying Rand to the railroad tracks, and uh, I just having having seen ahead, having seen Spock's brain, I just refuse to say this was a bad episode. Yeah, uh, but, that's but, fair. <laughs> but you know, we're not always going to agree on this, so that's totally fine. Uh, uh, any, anything else about this one before we move on? Um, I think that's it. All right, on to your episode then. All right, so I did Dagger the Mind. Uh, the Enterprise is delivering supplies to a prison planet, the awesomely named Tantalus Five. Pla- planet beams up a man-sized crate for the Enterprise to drop off, and it contains none other than nutjob about town, Dr. Simon Van Gelder and his kung fu grip, which he starts using to dispatch crewmen with. The crew takes him back to Tantalus, but Dr. McCoy is worried that he's being mistreated, so he requests Kirk check the place out. He also sends ship psychiatrist Dr. Helen Noel, whom Kirk once banged at the office Christmas party. Arriving on the planet, we meet Dr. Tristan Adams, a colleague of Van Gelder, as well as the creepy Stepford Wife-esque Tantalus inmates. Adams shows Kirk the Neural Neutralizer, a jello mold that he and Van Gelder were developing to help cure the patients, presumably by destroying their free will. Van Gelder used it on himself and went crazy. Meanwhile, on the ship, the Van Gelder in question is acting crazy, and Spock decides to mind meld with him. Van Gelder reveals that Adams is also crazy, but the quiet, subtle lector crazy to Van Gelder's manic, jism-hurling migs. Spock assembles a security team, but he can't get through the prison's force field. Meanwhile, Kirk and Noel are examining the neuralizer, Kirk using it on himself because apparently he's an idiot today. Adams catches them and brainwashes Kirk so that he's in love with Noel. Noel escapes through the world's largest vent and shuts off the power. She then kicks the crap out of a security guard, proving herself to be the most badass woman on Star Trek since number one. Spock beams down to the planet and accidentally turns on the neuralizer with Adams inside, killing him. No, worse than that, his brain is gone. <laughs> uh, you're absolutely right about um, Noel. Not only was she uh, certainly easy on the eyes, 
Yep. But she definitely carried herself in a way that uh, we've not come to expect in these last handful of uh, original uh, series. Uh, like, best best woman character since number one. I'm calling it right now. Yeah, so, of course, we that. never see her again. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of Nurse Chapel, but she's not what I would call strong. No. Noelle's definitely got a strength to her. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, she boinked the captain and she still kept her job. Yep. So that's always nice. <laughs> And then apparently McCoy decides to send her down with Kirk <laughs> yeah, for his a, own twisted reasons. There, well, there's a nice little banter, you know, like a bitch session on the bridge. And then uh, Bone says, fine, I'll send down the most qualified expert. And then suddenly Kirk's face to face with this chick that he banged at the Christmas party. Perhaps oh. you remember. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, God. Nothing I can do about this either. He's, he's, she's under Bones' command. This is Bones, we talked about this. After I have sex with someone, we transfer them off. Look, you and Spock are in charge. <laughs> yeah. Um, of controlling my sexual urges. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she was, she was nice. And, uh, again, not, not full on like uh, Kira or Dax or you know even like Tasha Yar, but better than we've gotten the last few weeks. No, she definitely went off and did things. Yes, and when it came to the to the final act where all the action stuff was happening, she was you know kicking ass with the best of them, and that was nice. Yep. Nobody she tied was. her to a chair with rope. No, that was nice. Although, no, 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 <laughs> I'm not going in that direction. No, no, no. Um, I remember they beamed this box up, as Matt was saying. Um. Apparently, the Enterprise is delivering mail now or something. <laughs> well, no, they picked up something up from a penal colony, which, fine, whatever. They're, they, they're running errands when they're out in space. I understand that. They go to mm-hmm. a distant colony. They bring something to another colony. That, that's fine. But they Just seek out new life and drop off their packages. <laughs> Make sure you get a signature. That's why everyone's carrying those big brown clipboards. <laughs> but we're watching uh, – Matt and I watch these together. We've been trying to do that uh, more lately. Um and I'm just typing to him the whole time. There's a guy in the box. There's a guy in the box. There's a guy. In, and then the box opens and there's a guy. Oh, look at that. What a shock. There's a guy in the box. I'm sure Matt caught it too, but I wouldn't let mm-hmm. him say that because I wouldn't shut up about it. It just, it seems so obvious. And if it was meant to be a twist, then uh, they fail. Mm-hmm. But no one overall, would ever know that, the, that a guy came up in this box. It seems to me that the transporter, you know, seeing as it, it has a record of every single atom that goes through it. Yep. Would know if there's a living being hiding in it. Nope. But, you know, we promised we wouldn't get too nitpicky, and so I won't. <laughs> no, we'll leave that to others. Yes. Um, I do think when they were talking to the, to the penal colony, the, the voice from Tantalus yeah. uh, was an Australian accent. <laughs> G'day, <which>, Captain Kirk. <laughs> which I thought was a real classy move. We'll be really happy to, t- we'll be really happy to take your supplies for you. <laughs> Just hoping we can send a little mail with you. Looking for Dr. Van Gelder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I um, love my work. <laughs> on this penal colony. What a what a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> the deadly space ruse. <laughs> then uh, yeah, you're right though, the Tantalus does sound pretty awesome. They um a badass name, man. Uh Kirk's uh, uh device in the upcoming Mirror Mirror, the uh the, the you know, evil twin episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's called the Tantalus Field, and I'm wondering mm-hmm. if that was deliberate or if they just really liked the sound of it. I perfected really... on that colony. <laughs> well, it could be in the mirror version of them. They could have I'd buy know, it. come up with something horrible. <laughs> but their their particular devices for melting brains. Yes, Must like the neuralizer. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, See, well, this is this is how expanded universe fiction works. <laughs> I just. I, 
they they seem so surprised that this brain melting device makes people crazy. Mm-hmm. And and Kirk steps into it voluntarily to try. Yeah, to like, like what the hell? Whoa. Well, you know, we're not sure if Adams is on the up and up quite yet, so we'll just I'll just strap myself in here, and you can uh, you can play with my brain a little bit. I like that Noel. Like there was a brief moment where you think she's going to do something really awful. Mm-hmm. Like this is the guy who, uh, who, who, you know, they messed around and and they're not together anymore, and you know that could have been a fun vibe, but uh, she she didn't do much of that. She no. mostly the impression that I get is uh, now we'll pretend you were a classy gentleman at the Christmas party instead of a drunken jackass. <laughs> Why, Doctor Noel? No, I I liked um when they're testing it out. She's all like. Uh, he's under the field, and she's like, you're hungry. And he wakes up, and he's like, I don't, you know, let me know when you turn that thing on. When we're done here, I want to get get a sandwich. Yeah, that was nice. That was some I nice just, I just picture, there. I just picture turning it on again. You want to give Dr. Mo- Noel a raise. <laughs> no, doctor, you've been working awful hard around here. I think Lieutenant Commander Stripes would look really nice on you. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad we don't use money. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> but, yeah, um, then you had Dr. Van Gelder. Another another cool sounding name, but uh next time I get next dog I get, I'm gonna call Van Gelder. <laughs> yeah, they did that thing again like they did with um Dr. Roger Corby, where they just kept saying his name over and over and over. Dr. Van Gelder, <laughs> Dr. Van Gelder. It's like my I made the comment that uh, the guest stars must get paid per mention of their <laughs> uh, of their characters name and Matt said, Oh no, that must be the opposite. If that were if that were true, everyone would always be saying Captain James Tiberius Kirk. <laughs> Plus, with this show's budget, they don't want to pay anybody anything. So. No. Un- understood. Um, overall, I mean, it had some weird production things, I thought, um, but not not terrible. No, it was okay. I enjoyed... Uh, I, I couldn't really tell, like, if there's supposed to be some kind of actual social commentary or moral message, honestly. Like, maybe I'm just thick, but what are they trying to say? That psychology is bad? Is this, like, a Scientology episode? Yeah. Like, I, I'm not really getting... Well, I think we can all agree that melting people's brains is probably not the best way to uh, to rehabilitate them. Listen, we, we're uh, we're in a future where infinite diversity and infinite combinations is uh, celebrated. Do we really want to uh, rule out, like um, leave out the uh, the brain melters in the uh, in the melting pot? I guess that's true. Yeah, we we got to be kind to everyone. I mean, come on, when we when we go to the next series, the the evil Klingons are now our friends. I mean, maybe the brain melters are really all right. <laughs> You know, you can't say. Uh, Roddenberry didn't want there to be any bad guys, so really you shouldn't demonize brain melters. <laughs> oh. Hmm? Oh, here's the thing. Uh, Kirk has apparently been to a penal colony numerous oh, times yeah. and had a grand old time while he was there. And he makes a point of mentioning it seven or eight times. Yeah, it just keeps coming up. Man, you know, you know, you know, Bones, the uh, the penal colonies are nothing at all like they were on oh, ancient no. The penal colonies like I've a resort. Been to, or, yeah. <laughs> but how, when were you in a penal colony, Jim? Well, I thought it was something else, actually. <laughs> Listen, those sexual harassment things, they <laughs> add up. I finally just had to go for two months of uh, reprogramming. <laughs> Actually, when they when he was in the when he was in the booth when he was in the brain melting thing, it was a bit like something from Lost. And I know you haven't watched that show, and you you wouldn't right. know that. But there's a and, and it may have been deliberate or it may just be sort of a sci-fi staple. But uh, there's a conditioning room that the the Dharma Initiative had that reminded me a lot of this, and it would not surprise me at all to find out that that the writers of that show were were big Star Trek fans. And I I was thinking when he was strapped down. Kirk going, there is one light. <laughs> nice. 
but yeah, overall, not bad. I mean, you know, yeah. really, it just comes down to Kirk being on a planet running around with a lady again. Mm. But, you know. There's not, a lot of that this year. There is. But not bad. I think Van Gelder was a bit over the top. Oh, God, was he ever. I mean. We're going to get to that in a minute. He was supposed to be playing crazy, and I appreciate that. But that, I, I think maybe a bit more than uh, more than he should have. Just, ah! Yeah. Ah! <laughs> almost, almost into Muppet territory there. Yeah. <laughs> And then the title card comes up, and it was written by S. Bar David. And that, I don't know about you, that sounds like a really fake name to me. Yeah, that's uh, that's a pseudonym. It must be. Although I looked it up, and it was just, it it was another name I didn't recognize. It wasn't like Mm -hmm. a good writer hiding or something. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't like Ray Bradbury not wanting to get his hands dirty or something. (laughs) What was weird is, I've been, like I said, I've been watching these on the Blu-rays, the the restored versions. Um... At the very end, like after the credit, I usually turn it off when the credits come up, but I, I watched, I had it on through the end. A uh, title card came up. This was the last episode on the disc. A title card came up saying, in loving memory of Majel Barrett, with pictures of the mm. characters she's played. Now, I'm all for that. I think she was fantastic, and I, I do think she was, you know, her loss, like her, her death was a, a loss to the to the franchise, if you will. But yeah. why here? She wasn't even in this episode. <laughs> it just seemed like a very strange place to say, we miss Major, Major Barrett because I mean we do, but you know she wasn't in this episode. That, that was very strange. That was the first ep- there the the last episode of the disc, not of the season though, right? Correct. Okay. Oh, yeah, no, is- we have lots more to go in this season. No, I was going to say though, if it was at the end of the season of season one, that would make sense. Oh no, because like- Nurse Chapel was more a part of season one than than the others. So I guess the first disc had like a lot of her on it. I suppose, but this was just dis- although there's no cage on there. Yeah, that's true. No, it's weird. It was just a very strange thing. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have on this one. Any, any mm-hmm. anything else to add? Mm, no, I think that's it. All right, so um, let's do our in the future. In the future, future. Uh, for Miri, in the future, we will explore the galaxy and discover planets that are completely identical to our own, and we will treat this as a mildly interesting novelty at best. All right. In the future, future. dangerous criminals can easily escape from high-security prisons in very small boxes. (laughs) Uh, Quote of the episode for me uh, really doesn't need any setup at all. It's just Kirk yelling at some kids. Blah, blah, blah. blah, 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 blah. No, blah, blah, blah. No, blah, blah, blah. Matt? The dignified captain of the Enterprise, everybody. Yes. Captain James Tiberius. I'm Captain Kirk. No, blah, blah, blah. You just made another five bucks. (laughs) Uh, How about about for Dagger of the Mind? My my quote also does not require any setup. (laughs) I knew. I knew. They've erased it. Erased? But it is. I just subverted me. But I won't forget. That is Doctor Van Gelder acting. <laughs> There's a, I, I like that you included a nice, a nice bit of uh, Riddler-esque giggling. That was my favorite part. Yeah, that was uh, that was very, um, very Gorshin-esque. Plus, the, <laughs> I like saying Gorshin-esque. So that's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, we actually have some mail uh, this oh. week, so that's nice. Uh, stand by, and I will get to that. 
Well, I thought we had some mail here. Um, someone had actually inadvertently sent us some mail to our, our other podcast that we do, the Sarcastic Voyage podcast. Uh, and I thought I had forwarded it along uh, for us to look at during this show, but apparently I messed up because in the future, in the future Al does not know how to use a computer. <laughs> uh, so, Daniel, our friend from Australia, if if you wouldn't mind terribly, send us that question again. Uh, it's, uh, what is it? Podcast postatomichorror.com. Mm. In the future, I can't even remember our email address. <laughs> uh, podcast at postatomichorror.com. We would love to hear from you and anyone else. We promise not to lose it this time. No. Well, it came all the way from Australia. So, I mean, the guy's yes. a prisoner. You know, maybe the... Uh... <laughs> Botany Bay. Oh, no. Oh, no. So, I think that's about all from us this week. Um, fortunately, looking ahead, I see that we have some uh, pretty fun episodes coming up. One of my personal favorites next week. So, uh, looking forward to that. And um, coming up in the in the weeks ahead, um, we'll be having some guests. Um not a lot of people. We won't be doing this regularly, but um, we're going to be bringing on some people that that we know pretty well, that we're we're pretty good friends with, who we're comfortable with. We've we've got a bit of rapport with from our other show uh, to review. We'll be doing three episodes in those cases. We'll we'll be splitting up the way we do now, one episode per person. Uh, so bear in mind, uh, we're we're trying to hit this uh, thirty minute mark here, but those will be like forty five minutes. But you'll get an extra mm-hmm. episode, so it all works out. So it all works out for you. Yes, the viewer, the listener, or the <laughs> viewer. <laughs> in the future, we will not be able to keep people's senses apart. <laughs> All right, friends, thanks for listening. Uh, tell people about us, and uh, we'll see you next time. See ya. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is published weekly and is available via iTunes or on the web at postatomichorror.com. This program is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, and all original material contained herein is their intellectual property unless otherwise noted. All clips and references from Star Trek and related media are used without permission from CBS, Viacom, and or Paramount Pictures. Fair use is assumed for the purposes of review and parody, and the aforementioned co-producers do not receive any form of profit for this effort. Listener feedback can be sent to podcast at postatomichorror.com. An on-air response is guaranteed.